the key thing I think for our customers, it's speed. Yep. Everything is about right now, I would say speed. For us, is looking at how can we support this. I think we're addressing it from two angles. I mean, we have the more traditional things that if you look historically, you know, looking at the time from we actually develop software until it's actually commercially, you know, running in operations with our customers and providing value to the end users. I would say that's the lead time we try to short the most as possible. So I think there's a lot of things going in in the whole area of automation. Welcome to another episode of Transmissions from Tomorrow, the show that gives you an inside route to the people driving the digital transformation of business and technology in the world of telecommunications. And I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. And today I have the pleasure of having Monica Sethson in the studio with me. Hi, Monica. How are you today? I'm very well, thank, thank you, Des. And I, well, thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I've been actually looking forward to this for a long time. Now, just to quickly introduce you, your role is Vice President, Head of Solution Area Communication Services at Ericsson in Ericsson's Digital Business Group. Just quickly introduce yourself and I guess give us a quick summary of what that actual job title means. What does it actually entail? Yeah, it's a long title, but I think in, in essence, I mean, the, the focus that we do in the solution area of communication services, it's all the product management as well as all the R&D and service delivery of what sits in the core of the network that provides the communication services to service providers. So, I mean, the key service, I would say, that, that, that comes out of that is, you know, has been voice and messaging, uh, yeah, but of course, also more into video communication, uh, chat, et cetera. So everything that brings the actual communication between uh, consumers or consumer and devices, I would say, is that. So traditionally, for those where it's more of the you know mobile soft switching is the is kind of the 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 3G version moving into more of IMS and Volta towards 4G and then 5G. There's quite a big. Um, I mean, when we look at that evolutionary path from uh, I guess you know what what used to be big bulky radio networks, and I uh, I remember seeing one of the famous first phones in the uh, Ericsson studio. There it was like this massive uh, shoulder <laughs> yeah. bag luggable thing, and yet nowadays we've got these tiny little things we throw into our pocket. It's easy to forget that it actually wasn't that long ago that we carried uh, this brick around that uh, used, I guess, essentially the, you know, radio waves, if you like, uh, in the same way that a, a CB radio did. It just happened to, to handle signaling. Whereas now, really what we're talking about in, in sort of the whole transition from 2 to 3G and now 3 to 4G and then eventually Volte and 5G, it's, it's, it's kind of more like a computer that sort of makes phone calls in many ways, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. No, and I think it's, I mean, it's the power, of course, of the device. Uh, and I would say in generally as well, the, the I mean, of course, the smartphone was a great, uh, it, I would say it's a, it's a new way to actually be able to access the new services in a good way, right? So I think out of the, since then, it's just exploded, I would say, in terms of what you can actually do with the communication services. And uh, what I used to say before when we looked at, because IMS then, which is the core of this, had been along for a really long time. Uh, but without really taking off. And I would say to some extent, it was really like having an a, amusement park, but without a door, right? <laughs> I like uh, that. And you needed that. Yeah, so, you know, you needed a door in order to be able to, to get access to what you can actually do with it. Because uh, for me, like historically, I worked a lot with IMS even on the fixed side. I mean, that's where it started. I mean, we started, it was broadband VoIP. 
uh, and still, I would say, very limited. You you kind of felt that you sat on a lot of things you could be bringing, but you couldn't, and because, as I said, there were, there was no way to access it. So big, I think, major uh, thing for us when you really actually come in with smartphones and the way you can now ex- access uh, the content. Now, before we get too deep dive on what your role does and specifically some of the fun things you're doing around voice and Volte and other things, um, can we just take a moment and get to know you personally a little bit better? Um, Where are you originally from? Mm -hmm. Where did you grow up? So I grew up outside Stockholm, Sweden, uh, and uh, I've uh, I've lived most of my life in in Sweden. uh, And I can come back to that. I lived in the U.S. for a couple of years as well. But I grew up here, went to the, uh, did my master's in engineering physics, actually, uh, at the Royal Institute of Technology here in Stockholm. Wow. Uh, so, we, yeah, <laughs> well, without being, I would say, super interested in the physics as such, but I was really into maths and the uh, optimization theory was my thing. Right. Uh, and, and I actually then happened to stumble upon a master's project uh, at Ericsson in the optimization theory domain. Uh, so that's so I really entered Ericsson at early stage and I have uh, I have remained but in very different roles uh, through the years. You have had a number of exciting roles. Um, that's quite, it's quite an interesting background to come uh, from to, to kind of where you are now. But I guess in many ways, and, and this is actually a theme that I've sort of noticed within Ericsson in particular, but certainly with many similar companies of, and certainly your peers, and that is that a lot of the business leaders have come from an engineering or a technical background and developed their skills in, in kind of running projects, running big transitions and integrations, and then cut their teeth on a big project and then run into more of a leadership role. But I guess, it, would it be mm. fair to say that that engineering background has, has set you up very well to kind of now run business initiatives because you know the in-depth detail behind some of the technologies and the, the, the innovations you're running. So there's no sort of grey area as to not knowing what it does because you you have, I mean, you've literally done the deep math. Mm. You've done the engineering. Um, yeah. And you now know how to I sort of go toe-to-toe with the engineers. Yeah. And I think from my perspective, I think it's more the – what I think if I, if I look at a red thread or a common theme through my career at Ericsson, I think it is this – you have the, the – ability to, to understand the, the advancement of technology, but be able to translate that into what, how, how can this be actually creating value for our customers? What's the market proposition? Uh, and I think I think I had this re- re- reflection already when I did my master's uh, project, when I, talk, when I talked about the, it's more of a side comment maybe, but when I did this optimization series thing, it was actually about comparing two different um, algorithms for optimizing uh, transmission networks. Uh, and I did, I did the first one, I did the second one, and then we compared them. And then I'm like, wow, I can prove that this one is, you know, 5%, uh, giving you a 5% lower cost on this piece. Uh, but then in the end, I found out that, that I had just been optimizing, you know, 5% optimization of 10% of the total cost for the for our customers to really do things. So from that perspective, I felt like, well, there are a lot of other things that really are impacting to what extent, you know, in for, for our customers in their business. And it's like growing a bigger interest to understand these other dimensions as well, which are outside the actual, you know, the the, this, the smaller pieces of the technology in that perspective. So I think from that, you're, you're right in the sense that you have an engineering background. I think you can understand the, the you know, the foundation of what we're doing. But then to evolving into different roles and interacting with a lot of our customers, of course, you start to understand what's, you know, what's the big picture look like and what are really going to be the essential 
practical things for us to focus on going forward. So I think that's um, that's what I've seen anyway in, in my path in Ericsson. Yeah, I think I think we forget often that, you know, when we talk about these sorts of things, at the end of the day, no matter who your customer is, they're going to sit in the room and look at it from the point of view of what's in it for me um, at, at all different levels. Um, but I like that. I do like that anecdote you just gave about working on 5% of 10% of a bigger problem and then realizing that, you know, maybe there's other things to look at. That's There's an interesting, like, you know, aha moment or eureka moment where often in our careers we, we look at that and think, you know what, I'm, I'm peddling at 2,000% energy to get a 1% gain. Maybe I'm peddling mm. the wrong way um <laughs> now so so you got into ericsson very very early um tell us a little bit about the career path you sort of went through to get to where you are now because i'd like to come back to your current role and and and, and it's uh a kind mm. of you know innovation but or creation of late but let's get back into that so just the journey through ericsson you've gotten in quite early you've done some very heavy uh, i guess engineering stuff what are some of the natural progressions you went through to sort of get to where you are today well i think from my perspective what i i Pretty early, so so I started in this more in the I would say the net, um, network planning uh, kind of role, uh, looking at our customers, basically getting uh, data from our customers' network and coming back and looking, doing some um, uh, proposals for how we would suggest that their networks would look like. That was like a starting point, and by doing this, I realized I had maybe a, what worked well for me was in order to really be able to put myself in their shoes uh, to see, okay, well, not just generally talk about this new technology, but like going to Colombia and saying that, well, from your perspective, I think you should do this in Bogota and you should do this out, you know, in Medellin and this is how you can connect the whole network. So, and I think I could, um, from that perspective, I, I would say work more towards a role where I was closer into a sales engagement, but still with the technology in the background and somewhat always at the part of doing sales development or you know pr promoting the new areas the new developments and i think so in early days of course the new developments from my perspective coming in from the wireline side was more about you know how did we do broadband access on the dsl side but you know doing ethernet dsl access rather than atm based dsl access and then going more into the core network, how could you do voice networks in a more effective way with having a centralized uh, brain, basically, and the distributed switch? Uh, so kind of the past, but, but always with this combination of, this, of, the, um, of the sales aspect together with the technology and looking at, you know, how, what would this look like for the certain customers? I think that's the common theme. Yeah. And then I would say the other part that kind of added was more on the leadership side. So not only doing it myself, but actually, you know, also having a team and, and uh, having a sales team focusing on Latin America, working for one of our global customers that we had at one point being the global solution manager for that customer, uh, looking at how could we support them in multi-countries and what would we be doing centrally and evolving all through that then into a bigger and bigger responsibility, I would say, in terms of team. And I think for me, an important point, though, in my career was when I went uh, and worked for Ericsson in the U.S. So in 2011, I left the, the, Sweden to go to spend a few years in the U.S. Uh, working specifically, actually, with the, the customers in North America on communication services projects right at the time when Volte was actually starting to happen uh, in uh, North America. Uh, so I think this was a good, very good experience for me to have, uh, you know, being part of firsthand when moving back to Sweden to work more closely in the product management and the R&D of this area. 
Wow, that's a that's a pretty big shift going from Sweden to the US. It must have been a bit of interesting cultural <laughs> yes. shock because um, uh, uh, it's a beautiful part of the Stockholm world. But it's like, yeah, yeah, Stockholm to the US. I mean, that uh, hopefully you got a bit of time to get out and see the country as well. I did. I was, you know, it's Stockholm to Texas. It's quite a big difference, but you know, it's a. I really loved it. I must say, though, I really, fr- uh, it was a very good experience, both for me and the family. I think it was, it was great, better than we had anticipated. It was actually very difficult to move back. Oh wow! Um, it would so, be like um, going to another planet, yeah. like flying to Mars, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's really exciting. Well, it's pretty pretty neat that you got to take the whole family as well. Now, um, the role you've got now. So that's an amazing journey you've been through from from I guess you know your your youth to academia and then into these exciting roles and the transition. I love the fact that you've come through this whole um, I guess getting out and engaging with the customers and kind of walking in their shoes because I think that's such a critical thing that, that often we miss now with um, you know it's going to age me quickly but you know younger generations kids kids coming out of uni now and, and jump straight into jobs and don't get the chance to sort of do what you did which is get out in the field mm-hmm. work side by side of the customers you know you talked about working in Bogota and Colombia and and, and looking at yeah. ATM versus Ethernet and so forth I mean that's not something that everyone gets to do these days but that's the kind of thing I think that allows you to get to where you are now with your current role because you've got this great depth and breadth of knowledge you can apply to the next generation of technology. Um, just briefly, though, I mean, you, you've only just jumped into this role since February, I think it was this year, is that right? February 2018? Yes, since I took over uh, in this in the role as the heading up the whole solution area, which is then, uh, you know, the combination of product management and R&D. But I have been in the domain. Uh, I was heading product management previously, so I think the domain is very well known to me. I think what, what this role brings is, uh, I would say, a broader perspective in terms of really looking at the whole flow from R&D, I would say product management, R&D, also to service delivery uh, into our customers' networks. So I think it's a same domain, but with the broader responsibility. Seems like a very natural evolution uh, from the sounds of things. Mm. So tell us, um, Mm. so so I'm very keen now to kind of get into the detail of what that actual role entails and some of the exciting things you've got on. I mean, we caught up in in Barcelona. I got to meet you in person, and that was very exciting to get you on camera and have a chat at uh, Mobile World Congress 2018. And uh, a lot of things you were talking about there, there were a number of key initiatives, only like five big initiatives that were driven through the entire event, um, particularly around uh, what was happening Mm. with um, business uh, support systems and so forth, what's happening and what you're doing with 5G and IoT. Um, the thing that I was really interested to see there, though, was as you walked around the pavilion, uh, the, the, I think you called them business builders. Uh, you had a sort of combination mm-hmm. of business skills and engineering skills with the different parts of it. Was the live demos, that really was, I guess, a whole new angle where instead of just talking, uh, I guess, uh, you know, theoretically about what could be done, there were live demos that could actually be played with and seen. One in particular you spoke about where uh, we went along and had a look at the Vodafone um, uh, demo where, and I'd mm. love you to kind of just recap that um, for folk who are listening because I think mm. we went there and had a look at a demo of uh, sort of simulating a, I guess, a, a, a Volte-based network connection with a bakery simulation, but you also rolled out uh, WebRTC in the top for other services. W- mm. Walk through that demo and tell us kind of what we really saw there for folk who weren't there and are just listening in. 
No, sure. No, so I think what, what we did there together with Vodafone was more to, to uh, showcase how can they, I mean, based on the, the investment, basically, that they have done and based on the fact that you now have a, a, a Volta network as a foundation, looking more at, you know, how can they also start looking at new business opportunities, more targeting smaller enterprises? So in this case, for example, a bakery, and how can they allow for a bakery to have a more interactive uh, communication with their customers rather than somebody just calling the bakery and say, hey, I, you know, I would want to, you know, uh, order a cake. And they said, okay, what kind of cake? And you, you just do that over voice without actually being able to see anything. What we did instead was basically in the case, so just to use cases, I am somebody who's going to celebrate a birthday and I want to order a cake. I called the bakery. Uh, and the baker answers and said, okay, so are you on the smartphone? And you said, yes, I am. Okay, so either I already have this app. If I don't, they just push me an SMS and then I click on the SMS and boom, we have through established a WebRTC connection between the bakery and the end user in this, or the, the customer who's going to buy the cake. So on top of an already established regular just phone call, uh, we have now opened up another kind of uh, session between the two where I, as the baker, uh, basically can show and, and we can share a session where I demonstrate what kind of cakes do I have and you can see it on the screen on the phone and you can say, no, I want that one. And you can, as an end user on your end, start looking at what are the different cakes. Oh, this is the name I want. No, 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 this is how you spell it. Yes, no, I want it in the middle. You know, you can really co-create from that perspective. You know, what is the cake actually going to look like in the end? And I think Vodafone also demonstrated an opportunity to even have payment available, et cetera, already in this session, right? So it's, um, for, from our perspective, it's also a lot about looking at how can you actually bring new innovation to our customers Customers on top of the networks that they have established for the more, I would say, fundamental service of voice, which is still to be there, but there's so much more you can do uh, on top of it. So I think that that whole demo generated a lot of interest. I think we are now actually uh, working with some other customers as well, following up after Barcelona to see, you know, how can this be leveraged? And I think the bakery is just one example, but just in general, I think there's a lot of small businesses as well looking at how to reach out without necessarily having your own big apps, et cetera, but, but just, you know, looking at how to leverage on the digitalization. I, I can imagine that folk listening, their brains just exploded. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm immediately thinking about things like education, health, um, welfare, aged care, um, hospitals. You know, imagine that I've had somebody in an ambulance going to the hospital and I have no idea what's going on and I dial the hospital and they're immediately routing the call around saying, actually, let me just push you something and it opens up video and I'm talking to the specialist and they hand the device to a nurse and the nurse hands it to me and says, oh, I'm okay, I just fell off the bike. This is, to me, this sounds like mm. not, not just a change or an evolutionary growth. This is a complete game changer because the, the difference between, I guess, making a voice call and trying to relay this visual image of what's going on describing it versus just pointing a device, a smartphone that we've already got at somebody with camera running. I mean, it's one thing to do it with a cake, which is kind of cool, um, particularly if I'm stressed about whether it's pink or unicorn color. But, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in education, uh, it, it's a complete game change, I think, because you're now connecting with that visual aspect that I think a lot of learning requires. If you're talking about an emergency response, I mean, th this is significant. I mean, I imagine corporations and, and small to medium-sized enterprises must just be getting so excited about this because we've been struggling with unified comms for a long time in, in ISDN and other technologies and uh, voice over IP. I mean... The big thing that really strikes mm. me is that, you know, when I, I remember, you know, when Volte came out and um, 
I remember reading that, you know, Volte was supposedly like up to three times more voice in data than 3G. It was sort of, you know, sort of not quite the, it wasn't really the 4G thing. Mm. It was, you know, well and truly beyond what GSM 2G did. Uh, we we struggled, to, well, I struggled to, and certainly people around me, my peers, struggled to understand, well, what does it actually mean? If what is, what is three times more or four times more voice and data than 3G actually mean? This, to me, really brings it home that, it's not just voice. It's not just voice times two. It's this layered capability. Um, how does this fit with the conversations you're having with uh, enterprise who are saying, look, you know, we, we've got, we're getting great service from voice. Yeah, it's all crisp and clear, but what else can we do? Um, what, what does it mean for things like just unified collaboration, unified, um, I, I guess, you know, messaging and so forth? Yeah, and I think from uh, from that perspective, I think enterprises, of course, is the most interesting uh, domain to look for. Uh, I think for for a lot of our customers, in the sense that, of course, there is another, uh, uh, I would say, another level of uh, monetization capability as well. To be perfectly honest, I mean, enterprises are, for them it's core and key that they can have an effective way of collaborating and an effective way of reaching out to their customers. And it's you know it's it's very high it's it's easy to 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 justify the business case why you would invest in in uh, in, in bringing these services. Yeah. And I think the uh, and and fr- from the perspective, I think there's so many different things you can see with when it comes to business users. I think one uh, and I'll, I'll I'll get to what you talked about the UC, but I think another segment in the business domain that we haven't talked about is like micro businesses, which I would. Say is, is a bit, it's, it's again back a little bit to the to the bakery who doesn't necessarily need a full unified collaboration type of system, but you might be needing what I just described, uh, and you might be needing just a few simple ways to actually, which is something beyond just having a mobile phone subscription, but you might want to have at least five people who can share easily the same number. So more of a, um, a group number that is just shared. And regardless of who you call, you know, you call that number and all the phones ring, all the phones rings in a smooth way to manage. So not necessarily whole big old IP centrics type of thinking, but a smaller, easier kind of micro business proposition. This is one way we also see being that with the flexibility of what we're bringing into the network, you have a smoother way to manage multiple identities being actually tailored towards the same uh, number. So we've heard a lot about what enterprise can do, and I guess this is a fairly traditional market because everybody focuses on the enterprise and, and essentially you know, the deep pockets that come with big business. But surely there's a, a, a bigger market, a broader market, and probably a slightly more exciting and interesting market, particularly with the new innovations you're doing in small to medium-sized enterprise, small businesses. I mean, you talked about a bakery, for example, but there's a myriad of different types of companies that are not the traditional banks and finance management and wealth management and, you know, tel- I guess even the big telcos and the... Uh, logistics and transport mm. and aviation. I mean, if you take the, the large enterprise out of the equation for a moment because they're the traditional spaces we'd hit, um, there must be a really exciting opportunity now to take some of this capability and bring it to small to medium-sized enterprise. Mm. Yes, definitely. And I think it's, uh, I mean, there are opportunities in, in different dimensions, I would say. So one area where I think what we see uh, a bit underserved, I would say what we call the micro-businesses. Like you might be a small firm with like, you know, five to 10 people, not necessarily needing, you know, sophisticated collaboration mechanisms, but you want to be able to at least be 
uh, identified just by one single number and you would want to be able to administrate that in a very you know smooth way and preferably already on your device basically you know somebody somebody's calling this plumbing firm and I, I get the call on my I can see it on my screen that it's calling you know my, my company but I'm busy right now but I can see that oh but my you know my colleague Peter he's available so I just swipe it over to Peter for Peter to be able to pick it up so it's not only about the 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 flexibility on one hand, what we can do from the core network, where we can basically make sure that all of these different phone numbers are actually, because we all have our individual phone numbers, but we're still being brought together under the umbrella of the official phone number that's presented outwards, you know, to, to the rest of the world. Uh, and yeah. I think, so, so managing all of that in the back end, but still letting the actual company, in this case, the plumbing company, uh, be the ones who decide and actually on the on a you know on the flexible basis of how this is all going to be routed and who's going to have you know who's going to answer at what point in time so it's a it's just a some uh, i would say an opportunity for service providers to go beyond just selling a voice subscription uh, you know with um, as you were a consumer. So it's like a consumer plus, I would say, kind of proposition. So that's kind of on one end, what you talk, I mean, the, the micro business. But then I think it is back a bit to what we, to what you talked about when looking at, you know, coming off the, the idea of the bakery and what else can be done. And I think that's also super interesting, looking at what actually looking at any type of business process that now you can add communication to it and suddenly the value is just so much greater. Uh, you talked about the ambulance, and I think that's a great case. Uh, now you might have certain requirements because of the, the severity of that type of situation, but we're also looking a, a lot now into field services. So, for example, heavy machinery out in the field, uh, you're missing a spare part. If you're going to have to try to explain how all of this is going to be done, why not just, you know, in that whole process of ordering a certain spare part for something, if you can have a possibility to trigger this kind of, in this case, like a WebRTC video call with the, the, the third party that's going to provide you the spare parts. So this, the third party can see exactly what are you looking at in the field. Oh, I'm missing this exact detail. Oh, this is the one. Yes. All right. We'll order it. We'll have it right to you. You know, and then you could, and so, so I think, and in, in building upon that, let's take it to the next level and then you get into the whole area of augmented reality because now you can really have somebody at the back end helping you what you're supposed to doing in the field. So I think there's just an endless, I would say, amount of opportunity when you look at both of these, you know, the, the far spectrum of the enterprise uh, world. Absolutely. It's, I mean, you know, as I said before, I think anyone listening to this, if they're paying attention, uh, it, it, their brain just exploded because, you know, you're talking about augmented reality on this thing, which is exciting. But the other thing that's happening in the background here is I, I'm sort of seeing a theme around the fact that you can layer not just what's happening at the edge of the network and sort of the, the edge computing piece around the edge of the cloud, but also what's happening in the center of the cloud. And that is that you've got augmented reality over a voice call with video, but then you can also have augmented intelligence. And that is machine learning and AI at the back end looking at this and saying, mm. hang on a second, you're, you're, looking at the skew for uh, X, Y, Z, but this is actually an ABC. I recognize this. I, I, I'm, the mm. things that are just flowing through my mind that are so exciting, but there's, you, when you were talking about plumbing, something really came to mind, and I just made a note here, and that is that <laughs> there's a big challenge in actually providing the plumbing, right? And, and when we were talking earlier, you mentioned something that really struck a chord with me, and that is that there's a very long term, as in, you know, I think you mentioned like a year or so, journey from going from the lab to the consumer or the end user, come up with the design, a concept, build it, minimum viable product, testing it, all of the regulations controls around it, and then people got to go through upgrades and you know put new hardware and new software into the operator and carrier space. But 
a lot of the stuff I'm seeing coming out of Ericsson is, uh, and and not all of it. I mean, obviously there's some of that, and certainly you can you can help operators do that. But there must be an as a service component that sort of sees network function virtualization, software defined infrastructure, and cloudy mm. as a service capability. I'm sure it's a slightly future proof thing, but uh, a future vision. But you know, where does that fit into things? I mean. You're rolling this capability out now. It's very exciting. And, and I love your phrase that the voice is the new black because I think ages ago I heard this thing <laughs> saying voice is the new app, but it didn't really kind of describe it. But now you've kind of got this black box that you're opening up. What, um, yes. where, where does this line draw? I mean, you've got the rollout of this stuff through operators in their own infrastructure, but there must be this, this space that you're talking about where you can offer us a service on top of what our carriers are doing, already doing currently. Mm. Yeah, it's a very good question and I think it's I think you're hitting on it you know the key thing I think for for, for our customers and I would say is it's speed yep. everything is about right now I would say speed and this is for, for us is looking at how can we to the best way you know support this and I think to you just exactly what I think we're addressing it from two angles just what you said I mean we have the more traditional things that if you look historically you know, looking at the time from we actually develop software, uh, you know, with our engineers until it's actually commercially, you know, running in operations with our customers and providing value to the end users. I would say that's the lead time we try to short the, the most as possible. So I think there's a lot of things going in and the whole area of automation. And there, of course, the whole area of cloud really helps us there. And that's one part. Then I think what you mentioned, which is, I would say, is the other dimension. If you truly want speed, of course, going into real DevOps model uh, and de delivering this as a service, it, it's hard to beat, right? Because then you instantly fix the new software and have it available to, to your customers. So basically what we're doing, and I think this example with Vodafone is, 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 a, is a real example of that in, uh, when we talked about the uh, what we showcased in um, Barcelona. I mean, we have on our end, there's the Volta network that we're bringing to our customers customers that sits in there uh, either in their data centers or in their central offices and we have that you know and then we look at how can we automate the flow of how we bring software into that but then we have the capability to deliver other services like we talked about the enterprise use cases we deliver it as a service from our cloud you know and then it's just you know still it's it goes it's connected back to the operators networks but the speed of which we can actually deliver new value into that is much much greater so I think the delivery model of how you actually get new value out to our customers' customers is also changing. And so I think that's a great opportunity in itself. Absolutely. There was a, and I had an interesting conversation with um, your, your associate, Jan Carlson, um, some time ago mm -hmm. when I had the opportunity to come and visit you, uh, your uh, design studio, your, your Ericsson studios in Schuster. And uh, he was talking about onboarding a million new subscribers a day. And it sort of it, it took my breath away. I was like, "What do you mean you're onboarding a million new subscribers a day?" And it's it's very much to this point you're just making, I think, and that is that a traditional operator, a traditional carrier, will have this this journey that they run through with you know routers and switches and servers and antennas and radios and firewalls and so forth, and their software updates and patches. But from what I'm hearing here, and certainly the demos I saw with your business builders and your your architects and engineers in in uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, one of the demos I really liked was. Uh, seeing that I could place a call over uh, either Volti, in this case I think they demoed Volti, but they were talking about 5G as well, or an IoT device could instantiate a connection, and it was running across, uh, I think it was either Verizon or BT or one of the others, from country to country, but the whole thing was done in software. And so it was their network still, but effectively encapsulated within their network, you had this other service. And uh, I, I think when I thought about what Jan Carlson was saying, was um, you know, selling up a million subscribers a day is 
Ericsson handling that capability for third parties and saying, well, we need, we need to subscribe to sign up. It's coming all the way back to you. You're doing that and then handing it back to them. But the subscriber thinks they're signing up with customer X, uh, with a provider XYZ. The provider XYZ is providing a service that looks and feels like them, but it's really in the core of your network until such time as it rolls back to their network. And I guess this is really the big mm. thing, the shift, between, you know, I guess the shift from so what we used to call you know, IP multimedia systems, I mean, IMS, to kind of what now is this whole, you know, voice, what do they call it, voice over long-term evolution. It always, when I say it in the long form, it kind of reminds me that the long-term evolution of voice really now does lend itself to these other applications. Um, you've got a couple of customers that are already doing something like this with you, haven't you, that are kind of coming to you and saying, we want this hybrid, we're doing some stuff on our network, we want Ericsson to do pieces of it for us as well. Yeah, so I think we have, uh, I think the area where we see a lot of, uh, you know, interest in this perspective is, uh, uh, there's a combination, I would say, when it comes to, to the Volta network as such, I see that this is predominantly, this is something that our customers are, are doing in their own networks. But then, uh, because for, for many reasons, I would say, uh, but I think it's also, it's such a, it's such a core service to, to our customers and something that they also have great skills of, of, of how to operate. And, and also with the regulatory aspects, you know, it, 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 uh, it fits you know, it, it fits into such a model. But then, yes, we are uh, then more looking into where we're having uh, uh, propositions where we do things as a service on top of this, either for the example we're making about the bakery or the uh, remote um, uh, the field services operations. I mean, these are not, uh, I would say these are not visionary things. These are things we're doing today. I mean, these these are real things, right? Uh, and then we're also seeing, you know, opportunities more on the unified collaboration where we're also working with partners, basically how to tie in the unified collaboration uh, experience for, for, for bigger enterprises into the Volta networks as well. So I think it's just, from my perspective, establishing more of an enterprise cloud capability on top of the Volta network opens up a platform for how to quickly start introducing new value on top of the Volta network. And and the, the next, for me, you know, capability or part there is really in the IoT side. And I think this is where, you know, you said, I said, you know, voice is the new black. And I think it fits really well into that IoT space. It, it's a, it's a, it is an interesting space because, you know, when we talk about sort of, you know, what is this black chasm, it's not so much a negative connotation. There's just unlimited possibilities in my mind that when we sort of look into this black box thing, it's voices in new black mm-hmm. because we don't really know what's in there. It's just space bar, space bar. Um, before we wrap up, one of the things I love to do is I'd love <laughs> to throw you a virtual crystal ball and get you to gaze into that because we're kind of getting, <laughs> we're getting to the top of the hour, so I know you've got to go. But um, before yeah. we wrap up, um, if I was to get you to just gaze into a virtual crystal ball, where are we in 18 months or, or beyond? You know, next year to year and a half. I mean, there's some very exciting things that have come out of Ericsson so far around all the things you're doing with cloud and edge of the network and IoT. Some very fun things being done with, with automotive, with mining, certainly with uh, health and mm. education, other spaces and all the demos we saw with the bakery example. Um, where's the, what are the, what's the next natural evolution from here with, with Volte and voice in your world? Mm. Good question. I think there are multiple things, but if I maybe take two, one one more consumer related and maybe one more uh, enterprise related, on the but I would say they both tie back to the point about voices the new black. And I was on the consumer side, 
huge interest on the digital assistance and how you can make uh, you know these more into part of your mobile identity and your, your your general subscriptions. So basically, to see you know how can all of these the new d- digital assistance that come out in the ecosystem can be part of actually being seen as just another you know device that's connected to you. We demoed a bit about it in Barcelona. Uh, I would say every carrier I talked to you know had some ideas and some thinking about how they would want to leverage this capability. So for sure, just, you know, looking at the use case where you're in the kitchen, you're doing something, uh, you know, your phone rings, why pick up your phone? But rather than just, you know, say answer and you, you know, you you have the voice call over your uh, your smart speaker, basically. So I think the whole evolution of, of other devices that consumers will be using in that, that end. And I think it, when it comes to the enterprises, it, it ties in as well because I think the IoT space, because IoT space is another one where we're seeing now more and more partners want to move in with who have maybe been tied with their devices more through Wi-Fi or through Bluetooth in other ways. But seeing now with Volta in Cat M1 moving into other than more in the, the IoT, you know, more, more tailored for the IoT space, seeing that you can actually put a voice uh, a Volt-enabled uh, SIM into these devices and having that as a trigger point for using voice to connect. And I, I'll give you the the example we had in Barcelona again. You know, for example, um, uh, emergency situations like elderly wanting to be able to as well, you, you would want to have something. If you have an emergency, you can immediately either you just press it and you establish a phone call uh, back to your um back to your caretaker, or we can also see opportunities where you have it, all of it controlled actually through voice as well with voice bots and the other end. So just the, the actual reach and the use cases where you can uh, leverage uh, with voice as the interface and trigger more of communication, I think definitely is, is a key thing. Uh, and this together with the, the whole area of moving there's so many things. <laughs> yeah. saying. So I think you threw me a crystal ball, but I think the, the voice is one, but I don't want to limit it there, though. Sorry, because no. I do think that the other part, which, which we talked about in, in the moving more into this, um, the the case of the remote field service, where I really see that the a simplified way to really deliver video and having, uh, having as I said, leveraging more that there's another foundation of a business process in the in the foundation, but by adding the component of easy video communication that could build upon, to your point about the, the augmented reality and the machine learning, that's also something that I think is going to evolve very quickly. Given what I see where we are right now, this is an area I think we will just, you know, because there's such true value that you can actually, you know, get out of this. So oh, gosh, many, yes. many things I think will happen. But. Uh- I think, based, I mean, the, the sense I'm getting from what you just shared there, and thank you for that, is that we seem to be on not just a tipping point in my mind, but a, a moment of another Cambrian explosion of, of opportunity. Uh, Monica Setson, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy and I really appreciate you giving us the start of your day. Um, and it's been amazing to know you personally and a bit of insight into your background and where you grew up and, and sort of your career path into Ericsson. You've got an amazingly exciting uh, opportunity here to do some great things in your new role. Uh, I can only imagine where we're going to be in 18 months with regard to what you're doing personally and uh, what Ericsson's doing around this whole space of voice and uh, voices in new black. So, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much, Des. Appreciate it. Okay, take care.